I hate to whinge, but I am sick of being asked where I'm from. Hello, I'm Rosie Panetta, and that's Lucy Cutting, who this week joins me on I Hate to Whinge with friend and co-creator of the PIN website, Ketchy Anel, who you might also recognise as the frontwoman of Melbourne band Sasquatch. As you'll find out, the two created the website after finding some common ground growing up in Australia with Nigerian Anglo-Australian backgrounds. The page now dedicated to sharing stories of biracial and bicultural Australians from all corners of the country. Over the next 45 minutes, we'll talk multiculturalism, multiracialism, and we'll ask, is Australia really as diverse as it likes to think it is? We'll also discover what it means growing up in Oz with a multiracial background and ask the question, is blackface ever okay? Spoiler alert, the answer might just be no. Of course, we'll also nominate Winges of the Week and we find out a superpower all African mums apparently have. It's really cool. I would love this. Uh, But first, let's get back to that question. Maybe we've all been asked or asked. Where are you from? Like, really? Welcome to this week's edition of I Hate to Whinge, the podcast. I am sick of being asked where I'm from. Where you're really from. Where I'm really, really, really from. All right. How often (laughs) do you guys get that question? Because I have often got it as well. But yeah, how often do you get that question? Oh, man, it ebbs and flows. But I would say when I first moved to Tassie, I was being asked anything from three to seven times a week. It's usually weekly. Yeah. Usually weekly. The same for you, Ketchy? Yeah, I would say weekly, if not daily sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. and I feel like being asked where you're from, that's I have no problem with that in itself. I kinda I kinda like it just people are interested about culture and is it an offensive question or not? I think asking someone where they're from is not offensive when you kind of just think about it, but it's more the way that people ask. So being asked where are you from as an opening to a conversation, yeah, that's that's pretty offensive. That's like saying, Hey, what's where do you live and can I have your phone number? <laughs> like without even knowing someone. Um, the but where are you really from is where like to me I find that the extremely insulting part of the of the conversation. I've had people say no, but where are you really from? And I'll tell them, well, my mom's Irish, and they're like, no, well, where are you really from? Until I say, my dad came here from Nigerian, and then they tell me that I am Nigerian, and that really pisses me off. Yeah, that it's such a... me that yeah, it's not a good enough answer to say like. I'm Australian. Why is that not good enough for you? Yeah, it's such a weird question. I actually had a guy once and he asked me where I was really from, but then he followed it up with don't say Australia. So it was like... Like before you even (laughs) jumped in, he was like... Yeah, he was like, where are you really from? And don't say Australia. It's like, you've obviously asked this question before Mm -hmm. and you've had the Australia answer and you're not happy with that. So you don't know how to frame the question in a way where you're actually asking it properly. So you just are saying, don't say Australia. It's some kind of weird, like, I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. (laughs) What would you suggest then? Like, because like I said, people sometimes are just interested in, in heritage and culture. You'd hope that's why they're asking. What would be a more tactful way of going about it? One, don't start it as an opener would be the first tip. What would be a more tasteful way to approach it for someone who's like, oh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, I think just ask, hey, what's your what's your cultural background? What's your racial heritage? Whatever. Yeah. Um, yes, 100%. Don't 
open a conversation with her. That's just so weird. Yeah. Um, ask me a few more questions. Maybe ask me how I'm going before you ask what my cultural background is. And I'll, I'll give you yeah. the answer. Just ask it in a way that's respectful. Yeah. Yeah. Or even how about just trying to get to know a person instead of just putting them in a box. I find that why like sometimes I get frustrated because I feel like why is there a need to know some people are really curious and it could be a thing of are we the same I just want to double check yeah like we're from the same place but I don't want to assume or it can be a a thing of someone who doesn't really feel at place themselves and they want to find out if you be like how you're going but I find most of the time I get asked it's by people who don't even like care like they don't even they just want to go oh yeah okay cool like just confirming and now I'll never ever think about this ever again and that really pisses me off so yeah. I keep saying pisses me off I don't know if I'm she's in a mood today <laughs> she's well, pissed I'm off in a mood. I'm writing an assignment at the moment so I'm very pissed off with the well guys for, for fear of uh, offending you both of you know tactfully going about this what are your cultural backgrounds of both of you oh my gosh <laughs> um so we are both Nigerian Australian yeah. so um my mum is a, is Nigerian my mm-hmm. dad's Australian and Ketchi is the reverse yeah my dad's Nigerian <laughs> I'm actually just a reverse human like um where did you guys meet so we were working together at uh Deacon Library in Melbourne and how cool is it to work in a library? Oh, it is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, because it's a little bit of a dream job, but I haven't done it. <laughs> we were like, we both, I think, if we are being very honest, we both were probably wondering what the hell each other was. We don't look anything alike, by the way, despite having parents that. Um, have similar heritages because Lucy and I, our, Lucy's mother and my father also come from completely different ethnic groups within Nigeria, so we don't look alike whatsoever. I think I did. <laughs> this is how. This is how. If you're someone who is of a um, multicultural background, this is how you get someone to admit where their where their multicultural background comes from. We were talking at uh, as we we're checking in books together, and I just said some fleeting thing like, "Oh my my." I can't tame my Nigerian hair. I have to braid it. And Lucy said, you're Nigerian. <laughs> I was like, well, my dad is. And she's like, my mum's Nigerian. And then I don't think we stopped talking for about four hours soon after that. <laughs> that oh, that's so clear. cute. But you guys have a, a story. Like, that's where really sweet. Are you from? Yeah, it was never a question of like, where are you from? It was more like, hey, I'm this. so when did you guys start the pin we started the pin uh so we launched it in may of this year but we started working on it um november last year so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a little slow build up in the background as we made the website and stuff so let's talk about the pin straight up yeah what is the pin and to those who don't know it and what is your aim for it together so basically it's a website where we interview biracial and bicultural australians and we just want to get this really I guess, bigger picture of what it means to be Australian with mixed and different identities going on. Um, and so all of the interviews are really personal. They're all um, individual interviews. And then we also do things like we feature artworks or photography, music, a whole heap of things. Uh, we don't really have an end goal for it. We kind of hope to run some events. We want we want to run an event in Tasmania as well. Uh, it's just kind of informing people, I guess. And yep. those people who ask that question, where are you from? They can go to the website and they can uh, check out where some people are, in quotation marks, really from. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's such a like diverse, colourful mix of uh, people and interviews you already have there from like artists and sports people. How are you finding these people? They coming to you? You go to them? Like, how are you collating these amazing stories? Uh, a lot of them we seek out. A few of them have come to us. Yep. There's a lot of kind of creepy stalking on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> we all do it. We all do it, and uh, we find out about different people. It's always really funny though when you interview somebody that's not kind of well known, not in the public sphere and um, they say how did you find me and you're like well <laughs> went into this dark wormhole of the internet <laughs> and found everything that you've ever done <laughs> yeah. your 10th birthday looked really fun <laughs> well, but going back a couple of steps um you said like trying to find that mutual ground when you first met and became friends how do you feel about when you start throwing like racial stereotypes against your own kind of nationality and background like I feel it's okay for me to like talk about wogs <laughs> and get away with it but if someone yeah. else turned to me and said you bloody wog I'd be like um no you can't yeah we do it all the time we have a lot of conversations where we're like oh we just really want some chicken right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and we talk about well, how that's, we... not, that's not a joke that's just a fact that's a reality <laughs> we really do like chicken <laughs> But uh, if somebody else talks about how much I love chicken, um, I take offence. So, <laughs> I mean, I think it's just, it's also that we're not really a majority in Australia. So when you meet somebody that has a very shared experience, you can then laugh about things, um, like laugh about stereotypes or laugh about situations that have happened that would only happen really to you. No one else would really go through that. So we find that we're... Like, as much as we stand out in Australian culture for being, like, dark-skinned, we also stand out in African culture for, for being lighter-skinned and mm -hmm. having to – and also having to understand African culture but from the standpoint of someone who's been brought up in Australia for most of their life. So there's always things that, like, that will – be super frustrating or super confusing about one culture that we can laugh about together. Um, like for example, there's a like a, a thing with African in African cultures with mums that they can basically get a, a child to stop what they're doing just by making like a little noise, just by going ah, ah and then like <laughs> the kid will just stop dead in their tracks because that's like code for like if you do that again, you will die and no one will ever find your body. <laughs> Wow, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. No, I feel like like I used to detest being put into a, you know, in, into a, a box and people's, you know, making assumptions based on, you know, your culture and where you're from, where your parents are from. But I think like I used to try and escape it. Like I used to be like, I'm Australian. Screw that Italian heritage thing. But like since moving out of home and like missing all those things, our parents bring to our world. I think I've attached myself to it more lately and, like, the more I've moved around the country, when you find someone with similar experiences, you're like, oh, my God, like, how hilarious, you know. Look at us, both bringing stinky lunches to work. Damn, <laughs> damn beans and broccoli. Like, I think, like, I think, like, the older I get, the more I appreciate, I guess, my own heritage. Do you feel the same way? Like, you want to attach yourself more to it than ever? Yeah, definitely. And trying to understand it. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about this project is we're meeting all these people that we do have that mutual ground with. And you can kind of learn so much about yourself through these people and become a lot more proud of of the different cultural heritages that you bring to the table. Um, and I'm 100% the same with the stinky lunches. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was that kid at school. I used to swap with that kid at school. I love stinky lunches. <laughs> I, mean, I used to have my chips, their home brand. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd rather have smelly sandwiches than burnt bread cheese. <laughs> How, how's this? There's a word I want to throw your way and I want to know if you think it's offensive. Uh, the word ethnic. I think like ethnic is kind of uh, like the the word that you use to point out that white people are not as white as other white people. So with Africans, it's all about race and about cultural misunderstandings, whereas with um, between like Anglo, like English and stuff and people um, like a more Mediterranean European yeah. background, ethnicity is the word that's used to separate. I think they're just words that are used to separate. Yeah. Um, to be honest, yeah, that's how I find that word. I think when people use it and say like the ethnics, that's offensive. Yeah. Like what the, who, who the hell is that meant to be? Um, but I can understand if someone uh, says as a point to show a point of difference that um, one ethnicity does this and one ethnicity does that because the two might be like even like physically similar appearing, appearing yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Or from the same country even. The key is I context would, there, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Like with Lucy and so Lucy's mum is Hausa Nigerian and my dad is Ibo Nigerian. They're two ethnic groups within the one country. They're both called Nigerians, mm -hmm. but there are cultural differences and historical differences between the two as well. So I think when used in one context, it can kind of demonstrate that even though they're from the same area and they're technically called the same people under like the country that they're from, there are they're distinct um, kind of like storylines behind the two. Yeah, yeah. I think that's how I would describe it. Whereas when you like, if someone said, if you heard someone saying, oh, those ethnic yeah. or the ethnics in this area, it's like, what the Hold hell up. does that mean? Yeah. Yeah, like they're fighting words. <laughs> they be fighting words. Have you guys, I guess more seriously, have you guys faced racism in Australia in your everyday lives up until this point? Uh, yeah, totally. It's um, it's not something that happens to me a lot, uh, but it definitely does happen. And I find it's often um, in situations where I'm either like catching public transport or I'm out late at night uh, or um, I'm kind of dealing with authority. It's kind of strange thing to really? say. But just kind of this different attitude where they're kind of they judge you before they talk to you kind of thing. And mm -hmm. it's not a thing that people think like when – um, people think that when we say, oh, we've had this happen, they're like, well, I've been with you and I don't see it. And it's not, sometimes it's not overt. Um, sometimes it can be a really subtle thing like, um, for instance, you're in line to pay for your shopping and the person in front of you pays for their shopping and they have a really big conversation with the cashier at the till. The cashier asks them, like, how their day's been? What have they been up to? And, like, they don't know each other, but the cashier makes an attempt to kind of be very personable. And then you go to pay for something and you just get high and then that's it. That's the that's the social interaction you get between the, yourself and someone else. Like you can, we've I've definitely experienced stuff like that where it's like you just get this coldness from people. It's just but a weird like, vibe. Yeah, and you're thinking like, am I like a am I like a socially awkward person, or is it something like I'm? <laughs> is it me? Off? Is it them? Yeah. Am I too sweaty? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it's also Lucy and I experienced recently um, in Melbourne a full-on racial attack that didn't happen to us, which is kind of surprising because we were it was targeted at black people, but it, at a black person. But I think because we're biracial and. Didn't, the guy just did 
did not see us compared to this other guy. Um, uh, it's the uh, a guy named um, Jasir. Um, yeah, Jasir, who holds a stop racism now sign in the middle of the Flinders Street intersection in Melbourne. We were talking to him because we we had just been like walking through the city and thought and talking about the pin and saw him and we we're just like, oh my god, this is amazing! Like, wh- who is he? Why is he doing this? Um, so he was just like literally standing in the street with a sign. Yeah, yeah like okay. literally this big sign with red writing, not in, and not in an aggressive thing. He's very passive. He's just um, making like a silent protest almost. Mm-hmm. He's never like he doesn't stop traffic. He doesn't get in people's faces. He just stands there holding the sign. And so we're talking to him. We wanted to know like uh, what he if he was a part of an organization or if it was just like him. And as he was talking to us, this old uh, older gentleman walked across the street and looked him dead dead in the eye and just said I, I don't know how much I can swear on this so oh, um, it's yep you can you can uh, swear because okay. it's online oh, is my rule <laughs> and he basically said uh looking into this guy's uh face fuck you nigga, and kept walking oh my goodness and Lucy and I were standing with him it was like we were almost not there but we never heard someone use that word in that con in it's like traditional context of like to degrade someone. Wow! Um, Did yeah. it spark into anything, or just he he said it and he walked off? He walked off, but Sir Holt has a camera on him, so he films whenever something like that happens to him. And we asked him before that happened, like, do people do you get strong reactions? And he said that the people who come up to him and say this is great encourage him to keep going, and the people who come up to him to insult him or to put him down. Um, also uh, inspiration for him to keep going. So the cameras there is a safety thing. And he also reports anyone who says anything like that to him to the police straight away and tries to get their face on camera. Yeah, do they but do, that was really full on. Do they do anything? Do they have any power to, to do anything? Or? I don't know what happens, but it. I think for both of us knowing that he has that made us feel that he would be a lot safer in that situation than if he didn't have a camera. Yeah. All that, yeah. Like, it's amazing what he's doing. He's forcing people to think in a public place and he's literally putting his body on the line. Do you think there's an age thing? Like, you say it was like an old man. Do you reckon there's like an an age separation here in Australia? We've got like older Australians who kind of are just struggling with maybe new Australians, which is another term Mm. I'm, I'm a bit... I'm a bit off with. But, yeah, yeah that, like, I don't know. Do you I feel don't like know. There's... Do you know, like, it's hard to tell because sometimes I think maybe that is a generational thing. But then I've travelled around Australia and met people who are my age who have, I mean, it's hard for me to tell because mm. no one would kind of really, unless it was in, I, no one would really come up to me and say, hey, I've got, a problem with you overtly yeah. like that. But it doesn't mean that people don't talk about people of colour in other situations. I mean, yeah. I'm not the best person to be a fly on the wall there and be like, oh, yeah, me too, and like, <laughs> pretend, like, <laughs> pretend like I agree with them, you know. It's too, yeah, it's hard to tell. But there's definitely people who, who are against the idea of immigrants and see any person of colour as an immigrant straight away um, that are our age, if not younger. There's, 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 yeah, I don't think this is like one of those things that will dissipate with every generation because yep. we're like we're still talking about it, and there's been there's been movements, there's been things that have that you would have thought had changed people's minds done like in the last fifty years. So yeah, yeah. it's a hard one to tell.
You know, you've made the move from Melbourne, um, looking straight <laughs> at you. Um, you've made the move from Melbourne to Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Now, Melbourne, and I grew up in Adelaide, so it's a pretty, I feel like it's a pretty multicultural state and so is Melbourne. In your experience, do you feel like Tasmania lacks in a way? Because I've only been here since January and when I came along, I was like, yeah, there's not really heaps going on here. It's a bit different. Um, I, <laughs> I You've do, discussed this before, haven't you? I, I've had this conversation okay. many times. <laughs> I um, I actually did a talk about it at the Hobart or Tasmanian Writers Festival, I think it was, yeah. about being asked where I'm from when I first moved here because I just found I was getting asked so much and I just... I was walking around and I'd be the only brown person for blocks, you know. And I remember one day I was walking down the street and there was this um, black guy across the street and he yelled out hello <laughs> and, That's so beautiful. and waved to me. And I was like, hey, man. And it was just this moment where it's like, hey, we don't see each other much. We need, we need to like speak up. We need to celebrate this. Yeah. It's definitely less culturally diverse. And it's also I find um, very much first generation kind of thing going on here. So there's just not as much of it here. And I guess also because it's such a small population. So mm. um, of the very small population, then you have an even more tiny population of culturally diverse people. That's that's another word that I don't like to use, yeah. but <laughs> people from different backgrounds, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think it's changing. And I kind of, I find, you know, certain areas like Glenorchy and Moona, you kind of, you see that change happening quite rapidly. Okay. Um, I just, it's not in the centre of Hobart as much. And aside from kind of Glenorchy, Moona area, it's not Which really. Which are the burbs to anyone outside of Tasmania? Yeah. 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 The northern suburbs. The northern suburbs. Yeah. It's a good spot. Um, yeah. yeah. But aside from those areas, it's really not happening that much. Funny because for Melbourne, like growing up, I always felt like the northern suburbs of Melbourne was where there was more diversity as well. So maybe there's like a northern suburbs vibe. Yeah. I'm from the northern <laughs> suburbs of Adelaide as well. There's, a, there's north yeah. going on all around. Head north. Head north. <laughs> but not too north. Yeah. <laughs> Might be my fault for living in the city. Idiot. I need to go out in the burbs and experience life. Um, what makes um so you're the pin and, and you guys have focused a lot on, on biracial backgrounds. What makes like a biracial background different to say someone who's you know just migrated here from Nigeria, say? Um, well, you're growing up in two different cultures and you're totally immersed in these two different cultures. One of the questions that we ask people uh, who we interview is, uh, was the culture in your family household different to that of, you know, mainstream outside culture, outside Australian culture? Because we quite often find that, yes, it was. And there were these little things, like you were saying, with the stinky lunches, mm-hmm. um, you know, sitting on the floor, eating a meal, um, just different dynamics between the children and the parents. Um, so I have forgotten the question. What was... Oh, well, I mean, no, no, you're also... answering, answering it as we speak. Yeah, oh, what okay. makes being yeah. part of a biracial background different to saying just a different race or an Aussie kid, I guess. Yeah, what makes yeah. being biracial different? Yeah, yeah. and then I guess... I mean, oh, you go, Kate. It also comes from that Lucy and I are biracial ourselves, so we wanted to find out what other people were thinking because it was just it's just been like the two of us talking about it <laughs> a lot with each other, like or being able to talk about it openly. So what Lucy touched on is how like most biracial um, children kind of feel they have this alternative culture inside their household, but it's also the same for bicultural people as well, which kind of touches on a similar thing. Whereas uh, like biracial people are people who are generally uh, the product of to other people who came from different races. Mm-hmm. So, 
different coloured skin for anyone out there who hasn't worked that bit out yet. And then, <laughs> it's like we're talking bicult- to children, just basic yeah. terms. <laughs> um, and then biculturalism we also wanted to acknowledge because there's people who, who may have been in Australia for generations and generations but still have cultural ties to where their parents came to Australia from and that might be like Lucy said very strong within the household even though um, like outside Australia still goes by like normal. Yeah, yeah no I like that I feel like you're discussing everything that I experienced as a kid but I didn't have a fancy word for it. <laughs> now you've talked yeah. to some um, pretty amazing people one of the people I have particularly loved uh, their work and he's an Adelaide artist, Peter Drew, and he is behind those posters, which have only, I think, once again, they popped up in Hobart last, like they're in Adelaide, they're in Melbourne, they're the Aussie posters. Mm -hmm. Now, did you talk to him about the project? Yeah, we, so we Did you help it get here in Hobart eventually? Was that (laughs) that thanks to you? I'm not going to take credit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We we did have a really great chat with him and he actually came to, when he came to Hobart, we ended up meeting up and he came to my office and everything. But he is such an interesting guy because I guess he faces a lot of criticism because um, he's white. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he actually cops a lot of backlash about the Aussie posters. And I personally think that he's doing a really great thing. Um, I love them. The minute they popped up, I didn't know the story and I didn't know all the stories. You would know them if you're listening and you, you would have seen them somewhere. There's a whole range of them. And yeah, exactly. They just, they're beautiful to start with. Like, he's an amazing artist. But, like, he's gone and researched all these wonderful people. I think one that I remember watching was about the, I think he, he's he got a turban on. Oh, uh, Mongo Khan. So he, he's a camellia. Yeah, yeah, the camellia. And it's like a side profile and it's a beautiful photo. And he's gone out of his way to find their stories. and Yeah, definitely. And the thing that I love about them is you come across them and you don't need to know the story. It yeah. just, because it's got the word Aussie there and it's got somebody that we don't traditionally think of as mm-hmm. Aussie, uh, you start forming all these questions in your, in your mind. You don't need to know a story. You've got a picture. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Now, who have you guys particularly loved talking to so far in the, in the pin story? Oh, um, I really loved talking to, I have temporarily forgotten his name, the illustrator. Um, Sean Tan. Sean Tan, yes, thanks. Look at you guys, <laughs> partnership right there. Yeah, <laughs> he, he was amazing to interview. So he was one of the first people that we interviewed for the pin and we did just a email kind of written thing and he just kept answering questions and it got to the point where we had 11 pages of answers <laughs> and he was still going. <laughs> And um, and he was so happy to work with us and he just kind of really opened up more questions that we've started asking other people just purely from interviewing Sean Tan. Um, and I think another one, um, I really love Candy Bowers. So she is a playwright, performer, producer, uh, works on the stage quite a bit and she's really fiery and she has a lot of opinions on diversity on screen um, in theatre spaces and mm-hmm. she's willing to really just give it a good crack at making sure diversity happens. Yeah. Like, and for you, who have been your highlights, Ketchum? Um, oh, gosh. It is really hard to choose. Um, I think Abe They're Nook all my babies really... and I love them all equally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. Um, Abe Nook was really interesting. He actually started the interview by asking us questions, <laughs> which we couldn't even answer. And we're like, oh, my God, I can't believe we can't answer these questions and we're about to ask you. Like, <laughs> Close the website. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take over. <laughs> Yeah, he was really interesting because he doesn't 
um, he kind of brought to the conversation the idea of being labelled um, when you change country, which we've never really considered because Lucy and I were born in Australia, so we've never really had a label outside of um, how we look. But there's also the label of how people got here. So that really echoed for us um, because... Are we talking about labels like immigrant... Uh, refugee, refugee, refugee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with him, it was yeah bringing to the forefront the con- the concept of being labelled a refugee and a label that never leaves you. Um, and the same happened with we interviewed a guy named Frank who grew up around kind of rural Victoria and Melbourne, um, whose parents immigrated to Australia and who is like still referred to as like a son of immigrants. And there's always this like step step away from just being Australian. Um, another person was Nadia Bakir, who I interviewed. It was kind of at the, at the end of this week of interviews, and I found out her story. It was amazing. She grew up in 1950s Lebanon. She's a Syrian, and she uh, basically her parents stopped her from going to university. So she decided that she was going to essentially run away to Australia, which she did. Um, wow. And mm. on top of that, she was a black belt in karate, used to sneak out of the house during the and um, pretend to be going, like hanging out with her brother, but actually go to the beach in her bikinis in like the 1960s. Um, she came to Australia when she was around 20 and then returned to Lebanon to bring her whole family to Australia after all that. So she, and she was, ve- she's very, when you talk to her, she's just the epitome of fearlessness um, and also um, just has a really strong idea of how she sees herself and and the effect of um, identity and lack of identity with communities not feeling like they belong to Australia even though they've been here for most of their lives if not had children or grandchildren born in the community and yeah. she's a really fierce advocate for people to stop telling generations that are born in Australia that they're not Australian or they're not a, they're not seen as part of Australian society and um, seeing that as also a like a damaging thing for kids growing up, which yeah. I thought was really interesting. Yeah. I think another great one was cry. Remy as well. <laughs> Remy was uh, Remy's so a rapper. Yeah. Uh, and he's based in Melbourne. And the great thing about interviewing him was he's also part Nigerian. So it was almost like finding a little brother. (laughs) And it was just very much like we all met up in a cafe and just talked. I think we talked for two hours or something. And if not longer. Yeah, if not longer. And just kind of kept talking as we walked out the door. And, you know, such a such a cool guy. Creating a network of friends, aren't you? You're just <laughs> pretty much. Like, this is a pretty elaborate, elaborate Facebook plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you obviously are talking to people, you're promoting diversity and diverse stories from diverse cultural backgrounds to diverse religious backgrounds, diverse sexual backgrounds. It was you, I, I saw Melbourne's number one drag queen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's just a diverse range of people. From from that, do do you think um, Australia? It's strange because often here in Australia, like when we talk about what makes Australia Australia, people love to sell us as this multicultural nation. Do you think there's enough diversity, and do you think Australia does embrace multiculturalism as much as it likes to sh- shout from the top of the rooftops to the rest of the world? I think we embrace it to a point. We kind of embrace it if it's uh, a bit more assimilated, but the minute that people kind of start questioning, you know, why uh, why they're not treated equally or things like that. That's when we say, hold up, mm-hmm. uh, we accept your diversity only if you don't complain about 
not yeah. actually, you know, being accepted. Mm -hmm. So I think that's our kind of way of having multiculturalism in Australia and also this kind of idea of the other. Um, so words like ethnic and, and multiculturalism even, when we think about those words, we don't think of it in an inclusive way of white people. We think of it as a kind of thing that's attributed to people who are not white, basically. Yep. So that's kind of my take on on how we how we accept it. Yeah. Uh -huh. And for you, Ketchy? Yeah, I think I'd agree. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I find I'm getting better at liking, not liking, but understanding the term multiculturalism and when it's been used in its positive sense. Um, but it used to really frustrate me, the word multiculturalism, because I just felt like it was a term that people just flung around to make yeah. themselves feel better about themselves. Um, but upon talking to other people and also like thinking about Australia as a whole, um, we are a multicultural society, even though at times it frustrates me that that term is always thrown around when we're celebrating things about Australia. And yeah. when, when something goes wrong, it's like, oh, this is the group of people that we should point the finger at first. That's kind of the thing that really irritates me. But I think we are like, I'm not, sh I don't know many places that people grow up with a myriad of people from different kind of cultural backgrounds that like have this kind of connected understanding that none of us really belong here. Um, we've got, I think Australia has a real issue with identity as a country. And I think we're just like trying to sort through a small part of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Quick story out of the news this week, which I would love to talk to you about. Did you see the uh, the kid going to school dressed like West Coast footy star Nick Knack? A bit of case, the old case of blackface. Did you guys see this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now the mum in Line of Fire is Constance Hall and she's a mummy blogger. Um, and, yeah, I just first up, did you see it? What do you think? Uh, it's um, such a face palm moment. Every time I see blackface, I'm just like, really? Again? 21st century again, you know, it's, it's yeah. offensive. And I think the length that this woman went to, to have her son go to school in blackface was quite bizarre that she kind of acknowledged that it was wrong. Yeah. Well, she, she has her post. I, I read it on Facebook. She was like, I think her, her word is like, she calls herself queen and queening. She was like, this is my queenie moment. I know people are going to hate it, but YOLO. And I'm like, you're acknowledging what? that what you're doing is wrong and you're like, oh, I'm going to do it anyway and that makes me a better person. That's I'm confused as to how that, that made sense in her brain. It was a very think, illogical thought process. And, yeah. <laughs> but, I think, like, tragically it's made, like, something that was quite positive and, like, a negative. Not saying the blackface was positive no, at all. No. It's not. <laughs> Celebrating um, Nick Nat is the positive. Yeah. Like, the fact that, like, her son has, like, his idol is a... Uh, is a black sportsman, I thought was really lovely. Um, and that he wanted to he wanted to be his idol for a dress up day was great. Yeah. I think I think that as a as like a kind of social thing was an amazing thing. And okay, that would actually be her cleaning moment. Um, but the fact that she asked people if it would be offensive to put her son in blackface, to put him in a position where he is now an image of something that you should never do, that was horrible. Yeah. Not only for people of colour, but also for him, because he's going to grow up with that the attached story of yeah. him attached to him. 
She was like, he's a little pasty kid. I'm like, just put the wig on him if you want. Like, just put the dreads and put him in the West Coast jumper and it'll be the same as making a kid go out there dressed as, I can't even think of another footballer. Um, (laughs) Like, if it was just a white footballer, you'd put him in a a little jumper and you'd send him out to school. You wouldn't try and, I don't know, just paint his face to look like the guy. Yeah, and I mean, the the other kids at school, if they were confused, they could have just asked him who he was dressed up as. But what I found particularly surprising about the whole thing was that he was awarded best dressed by the school. Yeah. What? Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. that part of the story. So he won yeah. best dressed. And I mean... And that's why she's like, I won the day because my child got best no! dressed. Because... <laughs> so it's uh... top down. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was an opportunity really for the school to step up as well and say, hey, this isn't very appropriate. You can dress as your idol and not be in blackface. That That's a thing. But they gave yeah. him an award. He was awarded for wearing blackface and dressing up as his idol. How do you come <laughs> back from that? I saw a couple of people defend her and, and no one deserves, like she's had lots of negative responses and some of it's been constructive and some of it's just been horrible, like death threats and whatnot, and I don't want that for anybody. But there was one response I read this morning only and it was um, this this Asian chick and she was like, she's just trying to have fun. If my friends want to make jokes about me eating dog, I'm okay with that. Like, and she went on about all these, you know, classic Asian stereotypes and she was like, I'm not offended if you use them. You shouldn't be either. But it comes that's to stupid. Yeah, I feel I'm like sorry. that's like when people say, "Oh, I spoke to my one Aboriginal friend who said it was fine for me to climb Uluru." Like, it's just a really <laughs> oh stupid God. argument. Such like, a great one example. But... Representing an entire race, yep. telling you that it's okay. No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. Like, and her saying, "I let my friends joke about me." She's saying her friends doesn't let complete strangers go up, walk up to her. I'd love to see how she reacts if a stranger walked up to her and said. Like, you're a dog eater. Yeah. See how she responds. If she'd be like, ha, 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 what a funny stereotype. I doubt it. But this kid didn't know the footballer. He only knows him from being a fan. This mother did not know the footballer, only knows the footballer from being a fan. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's a different context. Like, when you're with friends, everyone jokes about each other. It might be joking about, I don't know, someone's hairstyle or joking about the way someone pronounces a word or eats yep. weird or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between that and imitating a race of people as if they're a caricature. And that's what blackface does. It doesn't acknowledge the race. It doesn't respectfully represent them. If you wanted to respectfully represent, um, if she wanted to respectfully represent her child as like, as his idol, mm-hmm. she wouldn't have painted, she wouldn't have painted her child in blackface which has traditionally been a caricature of black people to bring them down. Like that is, there's no respect in, in that line of thinking. Yeah. And yeah, what that woman said is that's completely stupid. Yeah, I feel I'm like sorry. her opinion opens up people to doing things and using it as an excuse and being like, ah, oh, but it's fine because this person said that, like you said. But right here and now, can we just... Like, let's just put it down on the table. Blackface is not okay, people. It is not okay. Stop it. Not a your funny. It's not a funny joke. Don't do it with your mates. Don't do it in public. And for God's sake, don't award a kid for doing it. Like, it's never cool. I don't know. It's, we've had this conversation like three times this year on the national stage. It just makes mm. blows you my know, mind. And each about time, that conversation as well. They refer to like especially when it's on TV, they ask, like, a white person, is this offensive? 
Like, that's the thing that really irritates me. The people who make social commentary on it are people who are not even affected by it. Mm -hmm. And then people think it's okay because, because it's someone else said on TV that it's fine. Someone who wasn't affected by, who isn't affected by blackface said it was cool. Like, it's just, it, it blows my mind that we are still having this conversation in Australia. Like at one stance, we're saying, wow, we're so modern and new and the internet is globalizing and we get knowledge through the internet and it's free. And then we're like, oh no, we're different. We're on a different part of the earth. It doesn't apply to us. Like, yeah. How about asking someone who just moved here from Sudan if blackface is offensive and be like, hey, is that cool? I'm guessing they're going to be like, no. <laughs> I'm not down yeah. with that. No, no, it's no, it's not. Do you feel like... um? kind of pushing on a little bit, uh, we're obviously seeing uh, the increase in African immigration into Australia. I mentioned Sudanese and there's lots of Sudanese families who moved into Adelaide when I was there and um, it was a growing community in the northern suburbs. <laughs> uh, do you think that's creating a new dynamic to uh, diversity in Australia? And oh, 100%. Yeah, it's kind of like the newest dimension to our kaleidoscope of culture. Yeah, definitely. And I think just seeing more people from you know, different backgrounds and stuff, it just kind of normalises this idea that, hey, we're just all people and we're all just getting along and, mm-hmm. you know, and also we're people with skills because I, I quite often find that, um, you know, people who are seen as different aren't given the same opportunities as people who are seen as more mainstream. Yeah. And so having those people in, in you know, higher power jobs and, and seeing them on television and all those things, it's just changing the dynamic to be one that's a lot more accepting. Same as he's over there on the other side of the phone. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I, I can't really tell how to give you visual cues. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm winking right now. <laughs> I'm also no, winking. I totally agree. Yeah, it's becoming when we were kids at school, we were probably, if not definitely, the only kids of colour in our class. Whereas now, like, speak to kids, it's not even an issue for them, which yeah. is the hope that that'll continue, that it won't be an issue for anyone. We'll all just look like big global babies. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's a, that's a pretty picture. If you had to whinge about one thing, anything. People who leave their like remnants of their food in the drain. Like the kitchen sink? In the kitchen sink. It's disgusting. Or isn't it shit when a girl puts a photo on Tinder with the same girl in every photo? So you don't know who's who. Uh, you just assume it's the hot one. <laughs> and it never is. Oh, such a small thing, but I'm sick of my neighbours walking around. I'm glad that, I'm glad that sentence me. Yeah, sick so of the neighbours walking around. They're not even that noisy, just footsteps late at night. And the unit block. Yes, okay. from upstairs. Such a small thing, but it, it just like makes me irrationally angry. <laughs> Maybe just leave some slippers on their doormat. Good idea, yeah. <laughs> Any whinges? I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm really sick of walking around all day with a broken toe and I will whinge about it. How did you break it? I fell down the stairs. Were you drunk? I'd had a couple of wines. (laughs) (laughs) At this point, you get to nominate a whinge of the week. Have you have you come up with someone? Oh man, I've actually been like staring out the window just trying to think of a whingy (laughs) thing to say. I'm not a whinge. It's kind of true. Lucy's more optimistic about things. I've, I've got like, I'm like, what thing should I whinge about? <laughs> Ketchy, can you please get something from your whinge list? 
Oh, I've got a good one. Okay. okay. You start. So my wins for the week goes to all the dog owners in my area. <laughs> Specifically, the dog owners of dog breeds that are bigger than a chihuahua who are letting their dogs drop their lunch, and I mean poo, <laughs> all over our, all over the footpath recently. I don't know if it's because it's cold at the moment and they don't want to pick up a steaming turd, but it's gotten out of hand. I am literally like walking up the middle of the road to avoid walking through shit at the moment. Wow. Just, really? Winter? Just dog owners just yeah. don't want to pick up those... Steaming poos. <laughs> Steaming poo. You think they would be more enticed to because maybe they would be able to feel their hands in the, oh, in the cold Melbourne winter. Oh. But, um, yeah, they're not even small poos where you're like, was that a possum, was that a dog? It's more like, was that a human, was that a dog? So maybe humans are <laughs> taking crap. <laughs> now, that's a legitimate wedge. You Yeah. Think about it, dog owners. Think about it. Um, I don't think I can back that up. Lucy's still <laughs> wingeless. Uh, I like to whinge that Lucy is so damn happy she's got nothing to whinge about. Um, I want to go back a couple of weeks. Lucy, you'd be down with this one. Maybe over there in Melbourne. Did you hear this, Ketchy? Uh, there's a place in Tasmania called Eggs and Bacon Bay. And Peter, uh, the protection of ethical treatment against animals. animals, something like that. The people with the animals um, want to change the name of that to encourage a more vegan lifestyle. And they want to call it Apples and Cherries. Bay. What? Apples and cherries, babe. <laughs> I just want to say, Peter, I love your ethos. I love what you do, but can we focus on protecting animals and not coming up with stupid name changes that are unnecessary? <laughs> I just love the fact that there's a place called Eggs and Bacon Bay. Why would you want to change yeah. that? Exactly. I, I remember when I moved here and I was looking at a map and it gave me so much joy to see Eggs and Bacon Bay. Yeah. And I just know yeah. how it got named Eggs and Bacon Bay. Like who? Like that is awesome. I have the answer. Eggs and Bacon Bay. I have the answer. It's based. Oh my god, I feel so, I feel so educated. Um, <laughs> there, <laughs> there's a flower which is nicknamed Eggs and Bacon because it's like yellow uh, and white. It looks like an egg. I guess. Yeah. Okay, this actually come out a little less educated than I thought it would. <laughs> um, and it was named because there's lots of them in that area. Oh, so sweet. goes the go. story. But like, I like their theory. They were like, if we change the name, it'd promote a more vegan lifestyle and healthier hearts. I'm like, I don't look at what? Eggs and Bacon Bay on the map and go, you know what? I'm going to smash me some eggs and bacon <laughs> pronto. <laughs> if anything, it's promoting a vegan life because they could say, instead of eating eggs and bacon, why don't you swim in eggs and bacon? The bay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not following, guys. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much uh, for catching up on the phone with us, Ketchy, and thanks for being in here, Lucy. Guys, um, if people uh, want to jump on board, want to talk to you, want to be part of the pin, want to find out more, what is the go? Give us the lowdown. They can hit us up through the website. We've got a contact box on there. So that's www.thepin.org. Or they can also shoot us an email at hello at (laughs) thepin.org. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) She is. I think we've lost Ketchy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you're going to go write the end of that essay, but uh, we'll leave you to it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Again, thanks to Lucy and Ketchy for a seriously awesome chat. We could do that for another 45 minutes. Uh, make sure you subscribe to I Hate to Whinge in the iTunes store. Give it a rating. I love you forever. Promise. And for anything you missed about the pin, rosiepanetta.com. Until our next whinge, ciao.